Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up and welcome to Spoko Radio presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jer, how's it going? Still in quarantine, still missing sports. Just the story of our lives. And with us also is the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully, yes. I echo Jerome's statement. Still in quarantine, still haven't worn any pants with zippers on them, and still have no <laughs> sports to watch. Do you count a back pocket zipper as a, as a pant with zippers? No, because I have, like, sweatpants that have a back pocket zipper, like joggers. And, no, I don't yeah, that. Yeah, perfect, because then I just want to share with you all that this is the third day in a row I've worn this exact outfit. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> but also, people, please let us know on Twitter, at Champ at Jerry Sherwin, at Dave Cray, if you marked down the last time you wore real pants, because our own People's Champ has done very much things. So I'd love to know if anybody else out there who listens to this podcast keeps similar detailed notes about their life. Yep, March 14th. That was the last time (laughs) not only that I wore pants with a zipper, but also the last time that I was with anybody of any other person not six feet away from them. So I I believe our fourth member of Spoko wore pants with zippers today. Yes, today. I wore jeans yesterday. Wow, you guys are you guys, you guys are, are the true heroes. Better men than me, that's for sure. Sometimes you gotta make sure the jeans still fit, guys. Well, I'll oh. get into that here shortly with your opening uh, question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, reminder, guys, subscribe to the show wherever you guys listen to your podcasts. Tell a friend, tell a friend to subscribe. You guys don't get any type of quarantine entertainment like pants discussion other than black card gold pants. Uh, we'll start the we'll start the show off with this. Social distancing. What's the first thing you're going to do when social distancing is over and you no longer have to stay at home? Jer, you can kick things off this week. Go for it. Well, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've spent a little time doing a deep dive, going through the rabbit hole on a little thing called cool sculpting. Because through the quarantine situation, I've redeveloped the love handles I so easily burned off while doing Orange Theory Fitness the month before the quarantine happened. Cool sculpting apparently is where you freeze off the fat. It's basically fake liposuction from what I'm gathering. And I just do not feel like myself. I feel like a big flabby oaf because every time I get up, I walk past the pantry. I grab a handful (laughs) of pretzels with peanut butter in them or I think my I'm on my third giant tin of animal crackers. I put them in the pockets of my sweatshirts and I snack on them out the 25, 30 minutes I sit and then I get back up and I do it all over again. So the first thing I'm doing is getting my ass back into shape um, when this whole thing is done and through. I mean, Jerry, you're not alone in the snacking sense. I'm going to not to steal your thunder in any way, but my wife is pregnant and having the pregnancy cravings in the hospital stuck in quarantine. <laughs> you both know, already know this. <laughs> And everybody on Twitter already knows this. Anyway, it makes it very difficult to not snack and not have a bunch of junk food laying around the house right now. And so, yes, I feel that very, very much so. I mean, I I have an ice cream cookie sandwich in my freezer, and that's all I've been thinking about since we jumped on the mics. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I, as everybody knows that listens to this podcast, I enjoy myself a good snack. So I'm not going to hate I, uh, that idea of putting some animal crackers in the hoodie of your hooded sweatshirt and carrying them to another room is quite genius. Fortunately for my fat ass self, I got a elliptical a couple months before this whole process started. So that has kept me in a little bit of shape. Me and my wife are trying to do like an every other day running on the elliptical, doing a little ab work. So that has helped me not gain 40 or 50 pounds because everything else I'm doing is just eating. Champ, how do you uh, transport your Gatorade snacks? Uh, I, you know, I haven't had a Gatorade in about a month. And the last couple times I went to you haven't Costco, taken any road trips. That's why I haven't taken any road trips. And the last couple times I went to Costco, I haven't got Gatorade. So uh, I have not had to bring my Gatorade anywhere as in my portable snack. Well, that's good for you. All right, champ, what are you going to do the first time? First thing you can do when social distancing is over. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to leave my house. I'm going to take a nice little walk down the street to my local bar, Four Shadows. It's actually an Iowa bar in Chicago. I'm going to walk down there. I am going to sit at the bar proudly, hopefully with some sports on the television. I'm going to order a wonderful beer from their tap selection. They have a great selection there. Whatever beer it is, I don't know, depending on what mood I'm in. And then I'm going to order a big fat cheeseburger and I'm going to sit at that bar and I'm going to drink beer and I'm going to be around other people enjoying myself, hopefully watching a sporting event on the television. And I just can't wait to do that, hopefully within the next couple months. But with Chicago, it's looking like it might be the winter time before we leave again. (laughs) You missed the best season in in Chicago because of a stinking virus. All right, guys. <clears throat> what are you doing? Uh, probably doing the same thing. Probably going to be with Champ, let's be honest, at Four Shadows. Yep. Maybe hopefully watching a little White Sox baseball. That would be lovely. Fingers crossed, man. We just need something to get out of this house and uh, and break up the monotony a little bit here. All right, guys. We have a little bit of, I guess, sports-ish type of stuff coming up Thursday. This show gets released Thursdays. The NFL draft is somehow Ever still- heard of it? ever heard of it still being still going on it's going to be very virtual i'm sure a lot of things are going to break but still we have iowa ties to the nfl draft and we figured what better way to kill some time but but without talking about the draft a little bit so we've got what five iowa hopefuls to get drafted more more likely over the course of the weekend starting on thursday Figured we'll talk about each of these guys break them down a little bit if any nfl fans are listening what they're going to get from an iowa perspective We'll talk about the Big Ten a little bit, and then uh, we'll we'll go, of course, into our favorite team, the three of us, the Bears, and talk about their draft needs and the hopes that we have for them come this weekend. So uh, why don't we kick things off? Uh, we'll, we'll probably just try to do this in the best for, in kind of order of likely to be selected here. First through the seventh round here, kick things off with uh, Big Tristan Wirfs. Champ, why don't you kick things off if a team is to select Tristan Wirfs Give us a synopsis, a summary of what they're going to get out of Big Tristan. So they're going to get a guy that can play either left tackle or right tackle. He's shown that in college, that he can play either position once when needed. I think he's going to be a great left tackle in the NFL. So you're going to get a prototypical, athletic, absolute mauling left tackle in Tristan Wurst. I think he's going to be a great NFL player. He's going to continue the lineage of great Iowa linemen that they've had under the Kirk Ferentz era. I think he's going to step in right away and be a game one starter for whatever team uh, drafts him. And I think he's just going to be a damn good player. I mean, he's shown us what he can be. 
starting as a true freshman for Kirk Ferentz is a big deal because that hasn't happened a lot for offensive linemen during his time. And he, Tristan Wirth, stepped right in and was a starter from day one his freshman year, and he just continued to get better each year. And so I think you're going to get a hell of a football player in Tristan Wirth if you are uh, fortunate enough to draft him tomorrow night because he is going in the first round Thursday evening. We're going to get to your your pick of where you think he's going to go, but Jer, what are your what's your summary on Tristan Wirfs if you, if for all the other NFL fans who might be listening before this podcast drops? You're getting a quarterback's best friend. This guy, as Janet mentioned, could play multiple positions, but on top of a quarterback's best friend, if there's a team out there that has spent the, a first round type capital on a running back, a young running back, a dynamic running back, <clears throat> the Giants. This is a guy that you need up front. You need to protect Daniel Jones. You need to protect your your Saquon Barkley. You need to make sure that those two playmakers are on the field at all times. Tristan Wirfs, who has a wrestling background, a, a track and field background, and football, is the type of guy that he's not only physical, he's not only a mauler, but he's got great feet, great hands. He comes from that grappling background. This guy's going to be on the field. You're going to be able to build an entire offensive line around him for the next 15 years. And this is the next great, if not probably one of the best, Iowa offensive linemen to come out of this program. And that's what you're getting. That was literally going to be my follow-up question to both of you because I agree with you. He's a left tackle for sure, athletic freak who's going to be a quarterback's best friend. The only reason he didn't play left tackle at Iowa is because there's another guy who preferred to play left tackle. And Tristan was Correct. like, all right, well, I'm still athletic enough to play right tackle, so I'm going to go move over there. But my question to you both, Jerry, I'll go back to you since you just made the comment. Going into his NFL career, so nothing he accomplished in the NFL, is Tristan Wirfs the best NFL prospect Kirk Ferentz has produced? That's a tricky thing because, I mean, he's. I think he's going to go in the top five picks, right? Robert Gallery coming out was a great prospect. Um, when it's all said and done, I think he's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen. I would say he's going to fall as the second best lineman in the Kirk Ferentz era behind our boy who just retired from the Ravens. Marshall Yonda. Thank Sam, you. Same question. Uh, I'm see. I, I do fully expect Tristan Wirfs to have a great career, but just in terms of your question, coming out of college, I think Brandon Scherf was a more dominant player than Tristan Wirfs was. He was an absolute beast on the line. He played multiple positions. He's transition. He, I think he was the fifth overall pick for the Redskins uh, about four or five years ago, so, and he's transitioned wonderfully into the NFL. He's made at least one or two all pro teams. I think he's made the pro bowl every year of his career. Uh, he just got franchised this year. So he's got a nice little contract. I mean, a nice little one year deal. He's hoping for a long-term deal, but I think to answer your question, I think Brandon Scherf is probably Kirk Ferentz's most dominant and uh, best lineman to date. Yeah. I think, I think the conversation is those two guys in terms of being Fifth freak overall at champ. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Being freak athletes, be, I think those are the two guys that are in the top of the conversation. In terms of most NFL ready, it's very strange that it happens across the board with all Kirk Ferentz linemen. They get automatically thrown as not having long enough arms, so they have to bump into guard. But I think for the most part, I think Tristan Wirfs is that guy. Here's a what-if question for you. Does he elevate his stock even more if Alaric Jackson never came to Iowa and he was playing left tackle his entire time in Iowa? 
Yes. I think I think for sure. I think if he played left tackle from his freshman year on, he might be the number one overall pick in this draft. That's how that's how dominant I think Tristan Wirfs was while at playing right tackle primarily. But if he he has shown because Alaric Jackson got hurt this year, I think he played three or four games at left tackle, so he's shown he can do it without any issues. But if you put a body of work of say 35, 40 games over a three year time of him dominating at the left tackle position, I think he's in the discussion to be the number one pick of the draft this year. Champ, you just swung me, actually. I am now going to say that Tristan Wirfs is going to be the best prospect out of the Kirk Ferentz era because of what you just mentioned. The fact that he could easily swing over to left tackle, probably should have been a left tackle the whole time, starting probably still as a true freshman, guarding guys' blind side. Scherf goes in, he has like the small arms thing, he's playing guard, he's been a pro bowler three times. But if if Wirfs, if we're going like the most important, the mo- the, the best prospect – Worst playing at the tackle premium position and being able to play right or left tackle does, in my book, I think make him the better prospect. I think you're 100% right. And I think his so one of the things I wrote down is when we were going through these guys is what was their best game as a Hawkeye? We like to think we, need, we know offensive line play, but we really don't know anything. So the game that stuck out to me is this first game this year when Alaric Jackson gets hurt. In the middle of the game, mm-hmm. he Tristan Wirfs just switches positions and plays left tackle and does so flawlessly. Yes, it's a MAC team, but you know how hard it is to mentally adjust? It's everything's opposite when you go from right tackle to left tackle. As, and he did so flawlessly. Especially after literally having an entire offseason of him only focusing on right tackle. And like you said, happened in game one where he had to sw- swing over to the left tackle position. And yeah, he was tremendous. My game that sticks out to me was that Nebraska game where the the one highlight that I keep seeing on all the draft shows, Tristan Wirfs literally taking one of the Nebraska D linemen and throwing him, blocking him all the way into the Iowa bench. I mean, he literally physically moved a 300-pound-plus player from the middle of the field all the way to the bench. It just shows his dominance. He's going to be a great pro. I can't wait to see uh, where he goes in the top 10 uh, on Thursday night. Do you have an NFL comp for Tristan Wirfs? I will say we were just talking about his ability to play either tackles p- positions. The guy that first pops into my mind, who I r- r- wrote down and first did, Brian Bulaga. Yeah, just I mean, keep it keep it in the Iowa family. Oh. It was the it was an immediate just comparison that popped into my head. I, I went pretty big, so Jerome, if you want to go next, uh, I can do mine after yours. No, go ahead. So uh, I went with Jonathan Ogden because I think. Tristan Wirfs could end up being an, an all-time great lineman. Jonathan Ogden was an absolute mauler, but he was super athletic for the Ravens. He goes down as probably a top three, you know, tackle in, in pro football history. Uh, and I have those kind of aspirations for Tristan Wirfs. I think he's going to be an absolutely great player in the league. So that was my, you know, maybe pie in the sky comp, but I'm, I'm going with Jonathan Ogden. Jared, do you have a comp? I mean, let's go with Ogden. <laughs> I love that. I mean, this guy, he's a physical freak. Like, this dude pancakes everybody. I don't have a specific game, but I'm pretty sure the Holiday Bowl, the dude was pretty impressive. I mean, and- every every film guy who tw- who was on Twitter and breaking down film, they just see like, – even when they try to point out Worf's mistakes, his ability to reset and reload and still not get beat, it, from, from when he was a true freshman – through his last game in the Holiday Bowl, it's just remarkable. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be 
I th- I do think Sham's right. I think he's going to be the best Iowa lineman under Kirk Ferentz when his career is done in the NFL. I mean, can you think of a bad game that he had with the Hawkeye? The only game that even – I don't even know if Tristan Wirfs had a bad game was the Michigan game this year where Nate had so much pressure on him. But I don't know if that was Tristan Wirfs. I think that was just they were bringing too many guys for Iowa to handle. and I, don't I think, think that, that was, was all inside. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of even a bad – half, let alone a bad game that Tristan Wirfs had during his Iowa career. There's a clip out there for people that might be listening to this that aren't Iowa fans from the the, the bowl game this year against USC, where it was a pitch play to, I, I think maybe it was Makai Sargent on this one. Iowa's probably at like the USC 15-yard line. And Tristan Wirfs pancakes a guy and he's out in front of Makai Sargent like he's a fullback. He runs like a fullback. He's he, How quick he is. Like, Go watch that and tell me that this guy's not going to be a future All-Pro. That play, he literally, he literally looks like a tight end. I had to watch it three times to, to figure out where Tristan was because he was running down the field so just effortlessly. Yeah. He's, he's going to so be a stud. All right, so we'll end up with Tristan Wirfs on this. The over-under for all these guys, we're going to give you a draft slot where you have to pick where they're over under the spot. I'm going to put it up high after all this love we've given him. Over-under, pick three and a half. Over. Yeah, I'd, I'd go over. I just think that, you know, the top two are pretty much set in stone. And I think Detroit is going to do everything they can to try to trade out of that three spot for, you know, a team that wants to go up and either get one of the other quarterbacks or a CUDA, someone like that. So I would, I, he's not going to last much longer after five. If you, if you put it at five and a half, I, it would be it would be close. I would say probably the under if it was five. Because and a half. rumor has it the Miami Dolphins are looking to trade up to three. So yeah, they've got well, a guy they want as a left tackle. They jump the Giants. Yeah, but that might be to get Tua, and then they'll get that tackle later um, from Alabama. Unless they think Tua's dropping. They could. Yeah, they could. I just they, think this is a Giants pick right here at four. It makes yeah. the most sense. They need the most help on the line. They have too much on that offense. They need to bring in a guy like Tristan Wirfs. If you this line four and a half, I'm going under three and a half, I'm going over four at the Giants. Book it. I think DC is right. I think Miami trades up to three. They get one of those quarterbacks, though. Then Cleveland, they don't have to give up the five, though. Then Cleveland trades up to Miami's spot at five, and they wind up with Tristan Wirfs because Cleveland needs a left tackle for Baker Mayfield. They need some protection. And I don't think he's not lasting the 10. So if Cleveland wants him, they're going to have to go up and get him. Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I, I do think the tweet that I saw about, about the rumors swirling on trades was. There's going to be a, a run in the top 10 on left tackles. So if you're oh, trading yeah. up, it's to get a left tackle. It's not to get a quarterback. Yeah, I, I heard today there might be four left tackles going in the top 10. So, yeah, there's going to be some trading up, I think. You got the Louisville kid. You got the Bama kid. Who else is out there? I forget the other one. Uh, you got Tristan, and then you got uh, – what's the other Oh, one? Andrew Thomas, Georgia. Thomas, yeah, Thomas, yep. He, he was rot- risen in the last few days for sure. Yep. All right, let's move on. We're going to A.J. Epinesa, the other likely, hopeful, first-round pick here for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Jer, if if you were telling some NFL fan what they were getting in A.J. Epinesa if their team drafted him, how would you summarize it? Well, you're sure as shit not getting a speed rusher, but you're getting <laughs> a physical one. 
And the fact that he knows how to use his hands, he's got that Samoan blood in him. I always love a good Samoan pass rusher. His dad knows he's playing in the league. He's Iowa blood through and through. This guy is a leader. He's going to get to the quarterback. Yes, he might have a five, what was it, five-second, 40-yard dash number that's been following him along for for basically since the combines happened. But A.J. Epinesa knows how to get to the quarterback. That's what he's been doing and what he's been raised to do. You're getting a leader on the defensive front line. You're getting a guy that's going to get to the quarterback, and that's all he's going to eat, sleep, and breathe to do. This is some. I know that he's probably slipping right now because of some of the combine numbers, but I think that's a mistake. Anybody that jumps up to get him in the first round is getting more than a first-round talent. Champ, same question. What would you tell an NFL fan who just drafted their team just drafted AJ Epinesa? I think you're going to get a solid, solid pro. I, I don't know if AJ Epinesa is going to be a star defensive end in the NFL, but I think with a later first round pick, if you can get a guy like AJ Epinesa who can be a guy that can be on your team for five to seven years, be a solid pro, maybe he doesn't, you know, stay with the same team his whole career because he might move around a little bit. But I think AJ Epinesa is going to be a guy. A, a very my NFL comp to AJ Epinesa is Adrian Claiborne, and I know he's another Hawkeye. Adrian Claiborne's been in the league for nine years. He has 37 sacks in his career. He's been a solid player. Ten forced fumbles over his career. I think that's exactly what you're going to get out of AJ Epinesa. He's going to work hard. He's going to bull rush guys at the end. He's going to create, and he's a guy not only that can play DN, but you can slide him inside on those like NASCAR packages that that teams like to run now, where they have three or four guys rushing the quarterback at the same time on third down. A.J. Epinesa is a guy you can put inside and not lose a beat when he's in there trying to get to the quarterback from the interior. I think he's going to be a solid pro. He's going to go late first round, and uh, a team's going to be very happy when they draft A.J. I I don't hate that comp. Jared, do you have a different comp for A.J. Epinesa? Not off the top of my head. You know who I came up with? Alex Brown, former Bears defensive end. Yeah, he was solid too. Solid defensive end. He had always had a different guy. Normally had a different guy on the other end of him to, that took most of the double teams. But Alex still got his share of sacks. He's still had a productive NFL career. It kind of just I, I agree with both of you. He's going to be a just mainstay on the defensive line. He's not going to probably be a superstar. I think he he has the strength to do so. But he's going to be in the right spot defensively. He's going to hold an edge, set the edge. And he's going to contribute it in a a great way defensively for some team for a handful of years. Do you have a what if moment that might have? I'll tell, I can even start with mine that might yep. have boosted his his draft stock. Yeah, do you have I one, Jer? Go for what it. What if he stayed one more year? Ooh, I was gonna go the opposite way, but elaborate. How is that I gonna did- help him? I just think there's more tape on him then. He can improve on those that five, that five second forty time. People think he's not a speed rusher. He doesn't have the feet that he's not able to get around. Like yes, he's physical and he's strong, but he's not like one of those guys that is going to be able to give you a quick swim move and get to the quarterback. It just seems like he needs another year of fine tuning and maybe needs to go in the microwave for one more of them to put better tape out. I know this like. Was it this year he got kind of got bottled up for quite a long time, especially the start of the season? That wasn't his fault. He was getting double and triple teamed. We talked about things like that. But it's just almost like that same Adrian Claiborne thing where he stayed a year too late. I almost feel like A.J. is going a year too early. 
And if he wanted to be like a top 15 pick, I think that maybe him coming back and playing one more year for this Iowa uh, defense with all eyes on him coming back, that would have been a really good thing for him. That's interesting. Mine's the opposite way. Mine was, what if he started in 2018? What if he had two solid years of starting underneath his belt and put up the same numbers? Because one thing when you go through reading all the draft capsules on him, everyone always points out he's only a one. Like, it doesn't matter as a defensive lineman. I, I personally don't think that. But it's always called out he was only a one-year starter at Iowa. And it for whatever reason, it, it's dumb. It's so dumb. But to me, if he was if he was starting for two years, it shows his talent for like that he's a highly regarded recruit who played who started multiple years, contributed for a third year, and I think it would fit the narrative better that he's just he's a good football player. Yeah, I, I, you're right on with mine, DC. Mine was being an every down every down defensive end for two seasons. So it's basically the same thing. If he started in 2018, he's going to have more tape. He's going to show what he can do being because. Did it you close in the mind too, honestly? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Did, did we did we think AJ Epinesa looked tired this year when he was playing all the downs? Because I didn't. I mean, he nope. still had a damn good motor. I think he played like ninety-two percent of downs for Iowa this year. So I mean, he, he didn't look like he'd lost a step. And what what goes to that is just what a good teammate he was. Because remember, every time he was asked about that in twenty eighteen, he was always, you know, Parker Parker Hussey was teaching him everything. He was taking him under his wing. He's a senior. He deserves it. Like whatever. Like so he. Says the right thing. He's a great, great teammate. And that, so that should count for something. But for whatever reason, because teams look at his number of games he started, which is ridiculous, it's being held against him. So my what if is what if he just started for two years? Yeah, he might, he might be a, you know, a for sure top 15 pick then if he did. I mean, even in like a 3-4 defense right now, would you rather have him or Leo Floyd? That's uh, not even a question. <laughs> well, and Leo Floyd was a top 15 pick. He was a top 10 pick. Way to go, Pace. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to the Bears a little bit later. Let's not get too down on everything right now. Anything else you guys want to add on AJ Epinesa? Uh, in terms of Apex game for me, I just i will never forget that Minnesota game. He was an absolute physical force. He could not be blocked. He had two and a half sacks, a forced fumble. I mean, he was just wreaking havoc that game. Minnesota could not block him. And they kept trying to block him one-on-one, which made no sense to me because he was absolutely manhandling that. Both tackles, he would switch sides. So that's a game I'll never forget from AJ. You took mine, so I'll take the other one. It was USC where he legitimately just knocks out. They're one of the best quarterbacks in all of the Pac-12 elite football conference. So uh, Yeah, he, he had two and a half sacks and a forced fumble in that game, too, because I had that one as my backup in case one of you guys took the Minnesota <laughs> game. <laughs> I mean, my mine isn't even either one of those games. It's, his, it's 2018 versus Illinois when he had a block punt. He had a oh. scoop and score, and he had another sack right in that stretch right there. I mean, he, that was, he was a beast that game. I forgot that absolute bludgeoning of Illinois, too. That was so fun. He had a, in a consecutive plays of a blocked punt, a, 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 a forced fumble, a sack, and a quarterback hurry. I mean, he was just—he was all over the place in that in that like seemingly one drive against Illinois. Beast. I'll miss AJ Epinesa a lot. I don't think he's getting the love he is going into this draft process, and I think whoever gets him is going to get a very good NFL player for a handful of years. All right, over under pick. I, this might be a little low, but I'm gonna go 18. Oh. Over. Yeah, I think over. I think he's more of the late 20s. I hope 
Ideally, I would. I wrote this down. Ideally, I would love him to go to the Patriots in the late twenties. I think that would be an absolute perfect fit for AJ. You and I are in a very similar uh, atmosphere here, champ. I want him to go to twenty nine to the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans. I mean, yeah, it's the same defense. So yeah, and they need an edge. Another edge guy would be really beneficial to them. Yeah, it, I think so too. All right, let's go next up. Actually, let's see where we are at time here. Let's take a quick break. And then we'll finish the rest of these guys up and talk about a little little Big Ten and the Bears to wrap things up this week. We'll be right back. All right. We are back. We are previewing the NFL draft, all the Iowa draft hopefuls, the Big Ten, and our Chicago Bears as well. Next up from the Iowa Hawkeyes we're going to talk about is Michael Ojemudier. And Champ, what are you telling an NFL fan whose team just drafted Michael Ojemudier? I think you're going to get, at, at the very worst, you're going to get a guy who's going to be solid on special teams. He could be a gunner for you. He can play all the special teams positions, uh, all different, all the different teams within special teams. And at the high end, I think he can be a solid cornerback, too, for your team for multiple years. I, I don't think Ojemudier is, you know, by any means a number one corner in the NFL. I, but I think he can be, you know, if you have yourself a solid number one, you slide Michael Ojemudi in as your number two, and I, I don't think you'll have any issues. I think he'd be a solid player. My my player comp to Michael Ojemudi is uh, a Prince Amukamura. I mean, he didn't do – he's not like a star. He's He was just kind of solid for that Bears defense. Didn't even have a lot of interceptions or turnovers, but he was just kind of solid. He didn't. There wasn't a lot of times where you were like, God, Prince Amukamura was awful. He cost us that game. He just was kind of there, and he made plays sometimes. Sometimes he'd get beat if he was you know, up against a top-end wideout. But I think that's uh, what a, a type of player that Michael Ojemudier could be. Jerry, what, what are you saying if, if, some, if someone you know, their favorite team, dress Michael Ojemudier? You're getting a fundamentally sound cornerback number two that has elite length and great physical attributes that will continue to work hard at the weaknesses, including his speed. But he is so sound coming from that Phil Parker defense. He has had a roller coaster here at Iowa. He's been up and down, benched and started. He's had young kids come in, take a spot, earned it back. And then this past year, he shut down the entire side of the field. I think this guy is going to probably get undervalued, and then they'll get into camp and realize that the way he's able to move his hips, the way he's physical at the line of scrimmage, the way he can work a boundary, they're all of a sudden going to start looking at him to kind of fill in that that QB2. He's probably not going to get paid very well until his second contract, but I think you're getting a really solid corner at the end of the day. Yeah, I think you guys are spot on there. I think Phil Parker has taught him the fundamentals. Jerry, you hit the nail on the head. He was very up and down while he was at Iowa, but he ended his career on a high note. And it's credit to Phil Parker for sticking with him, giving him the tough love that Phil Parker likes to give his defensive backs and getting him getting him giving him giving him that tough love so he can develop and turn into a reliable cornerback. He shut down the last half of the field for the for the second half of the season for the most part. And to be honest, it was always just kind of assumed that he'd be the next corner, great corner coming out of Iowa. And I think a lot of times he was challenged early in his career and he didn't live up to it all the time. Yeah, for sure. I think he's, you know, I know you're going to ask the over under, so I'll save that, but I think he's going to be a, you know, a later round pick, but I think he'll be a solid pro. Do you have a, what if moment that might've either boosted or boosted his stock a little bit more going in the draft? 
Either of you guys? Jerome, you got one or no? I, the what if moment is if he could have just been consistent the last two years instead of just this last one for me. But I don't have a particular moment now. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, what if he wasn't benched, you know, last, not this year, but the year before, if he if he played that entire season and, you know, put out more tape, maybe he's a little bit better of a draft, you know, in, in a better draft position, but I don't think it would have affected him very You know much. what, though? Like, how often have we seen this thing play out with Iowa secondary players getting undervalued in the draft? And then they it, get into their teams and then they love them. It's usually because they're not athletic. They don't, they don't. Like crush the combine numbers, but OJ Moody was crushing the combine numbers. I thought I still p- think people view him as not very athletic, though. I feel like he's moved up a lot of draft boards. Yeah, I, he is I more think, athletic than like a Dustin King. I think his athletic combine numbers plus his pedigree coming from Phil Parker's system plus his range. He's so long. He's long, ideal length, ideal size. The the background, the pedigree coming from Iowa. I think he's moving up higher than you guys are giving him more credit for. So I have a, I did have a lofty over under. I'm going to pull that back because it's, you guys seem to think he might get he might fall a little bit. So we'll set the over under at 127, which is in the middle of the fourth round. That's a good one. 120. Uh, I'll go under. I think he's an early fourth round pick, somewhere between like 110 and 120. I think he goes in that range. Maybe even sneaks into one of the, you know, comp picks and the third round. But I think that early fourth round is a sweet spot for Michael. Chair, 127, over under. I'm going to say over slightly. He's going to be later half of the fourth, early fifth. I'm going to take the under. I think he is surging. I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if I saw him go in the third round. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We'll see. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go to next up, Geno Stone. The arguably the I don't want to like I don't want to like diss him for leaving early, but arguably the the strangest early to party for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Nothing against Geno. I think he absolutely made the right decision, but he could have also came back another year and and really solidified his draft stock. But uh, Jer, someone drafts Geno Stone. What do you what are they getting? You're getting Rocky Balboa right up the middle. You have a guy that's not afraid to fill in the box, lay a hit. And he's also going to be able to cover up a lot of mistakes in the secondary and coverage. Geno Stone has the heart of a champion. There's stories out there. You can go and find them. But he's basically been undermined and undervalued his entire career. He's the ultimate chip on my shoulder type of guy. And that's the type of dude you're going to get from day one, pushing that secondary, pushing all the players in that locker room to continuously be better. Geno Stone was the heartbeat of that defense this year, in my opinion, and it hurts Iowa's defense tremendously that they're losing him. I agree, but uh, Champ, what would you say? I, if a Geno Stone, you're getting Iowa's most consistent secondary player the last two seasons. Geno Stone never missed games. He never took plays off. He was out there laying wood, creating turnovers in the secondary, filling the gap, like Jer said, uh, basically having another linebacker out there because he can you know, tackle with the best of them, run guys down and lay wood. Just look at that Michigan game. He played absolutely phenomenal, kept Iowa in that game throughout that defensive effort that he had. I mean, Geno Stone's going to be a solid pro. Uh, He's a guy who I would love to have on the beloved. I know we're going to talk about the Bears later on in the show, but this is a guy, if if there was obviously they're not going to get, you know, Tristan Wirfs or Epinesa most likely. But Geno Stone would be – I would love to have Geno with one of the Bears' fifth-round picks. I think he's going to be a solid 
solid pro, and he's going to be a damn good strong safety. I agree with both you guys. I, I he he might be, and maybe it's because the like you said, champ. The Bears have a need for a guy like him. He might be that my favorite Hawkeye coming out of this draft because it, just his heart, his soul. Jerry, you said it, you said it really well yourself. He has a chip on his shoulder, the heartbeat of the Iowa defense the past year and a half. And it leads me to my what if question: What if Phil Parker didn't switch? to his nickel defense or his cash defense and that put Geno Stone in at strong safety that moved Imani Hooker down in that nickel back spot, we wouldn't have seen Geno Stone. This would have been his first year really going into a lot of playing time. So if we didn't even get the nickel, which is we all are very, very grateful for that Phil Parker has switched it to, I mean, no one should be more thankful than Geno Stone in my opinion. But, I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. Yeah, you're right on with that because Geno would have been sitting behind Hooker last year. This would have been the, his first year, and he definitely wouldn't have been able to leave to get to get drafted after just one year of solid performance. So, yeah, he's got to give uh, Parker a lot of credit for switching up that defense and getting him some uh, prime looks for that NFL. All right, we'll end it here. We'll get into the probably the most controversial guy we'll get into in a second, but over under on where Geno Stone gets picked. I'm going to set it at 170, which is in the towards the end of the fifth round. I don't, Jerry, do you want to go first? Under. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Where do the Bears pick in the fifth round? Because <laughs> if it's under, if it's under 170 with one of their picks, then I'll take under for sure. They have 164 in the yep, fifth round. Right there, 164 <laughs> to the Chicago Bears. Geno Stone, mark it down. Oh, I like the under as well. Let's move on to, like I said just a second ago, probably the most polarizing guy we're going to have here from the Iowa Hawkeyes. It's Nate Stanley. If someone takes Nate Stanley champ, what are they getting? They're Don't getting rude. They're getting an inconsistent quarterback. It's plain and simple. I'm not high on Nate Stanley at all. I'm sorry. I, I know you two are all fucking jerked off and all excited because he's oh and he's throwing these great he's throwing great passes and shorts and t-shirts at the combine and blah blah blah. I watched Nate Stanley for three years, and the only thing I could think of about Nate Stanley is inconsistency. So if you're going to draft Nate Stanley, I don't know for sure if he is going to get drafted. I think he probably will. But you're getting a complete and total wild card. You can't count on Nate Stanley even being a solid backup in the NFL. I, I At least I don't think so. I know you guys probably have a little bit higher of opinion than I do, but I watched him play for three years, and I didn't see much of anything to believe that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Jerry, the guy who had this podcast humming all football season long, if someone should ask Nate Stanley, what are they getting? You're getting a guy that's better than James Morgan of Florida International. You're getting a guy that's better than Jake Lutton out of Oregon State. You're getting a guy that's better than Nick Tiano of Chattanooga, who somehow is being valued better than him. You're getting a guy better than Steven Montez out of Colorado. That's what you're getting. You're getting a top-end NFL backup quarterback at the minimum, you're at the best case scenario, you're getting Jake Plummer plus two inches. That's what you're getting <laughs> in Nate Stanley. Jake Plummer. I mean, Jake Plummer had wonderful. He could run, get out of the pocket, create with his feet. Nate Stanley can't do that. Yeah, he can. No, he can't. Nate Stanley's got twinkle toes now. Nate Did you St- not remember him Nate going three straight times rushing up the middle? Yeah. Bang, bang, quarterback bang. fucking sneaks. I mean, that's not running. <laughs> All I'm saying is if you look at these quarterback evaluations, like 
fine. I get Jalen Hurts. I get Jake Fromm. I get, but like Jacob Eason, were you really that imp- Like, talk about inconsistent. We're going to do this? Like, I, there's quarterbacks all over the place that are inconsistent. Nate Stanley has things that are important in the NFL level. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's playing the pro style system, and he knows what the fuck he's doing out there. So, like, he those are things you can build on. Open receivers with that cannon of an arm. They're 30 yards downfield, hey. and he throws. He throws it 45 yards. So, I mean, you're not going to – Nate Stanley's going to be out of the NFL in four years. I'm saying I don't think he's going to be in the NFL in four I years. I think if Nate Stanley gets picked up by a team that values – that has offensive line play, especially up the middle, that's really solid, and he gets an opportunity, he's going to make some plays. I think he has consistently had too much pressure in his face, and I think that NFL teams will be able to kind of smooth those layers. I'm sorry. I completely disagree. I, I wouldn't draft Nate Stanley with a 10-foot pole. I'm sorry. Champ, you said he was inconsistent. Draft, with a 10-foot pole. draft or touch it. Okay. Either. You can't touch people with you know, less than a 6-foot pole right now. That's a good point. Champ, you said he was inconsistent. How many games, or are there, are there any what-if games where he was maybe a little too inconsistent that's really sticking with you as you evaluate Nate Stanley? I mean, there's three this year that you can look right straight in the face at any pick one. Jerry did this last week. Pick any of those three games. If he plays any better in any of those three games, we win any of them. And we're probably going to the Big Ten Championship against Ohio State. And then who the hell knows? If you want me to pick a specific game, give me the Michigan game because he was god awful in that game. I know you're going to say he had all this pressure in his face, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. He still had to, some time in that game, especially late in that last drive, where he could make some plays, and he didn't do it. Okay. I mean, it's you're not wrong, right? My what-if moment for him are, are specifically the Penn State game and the Michigan game this year. If he pulled those games out and maybe the Penn State game that we were all at in, in at Penn State. His thumb but, was broken. I understand. But there's it's still what it's a what if moment. It's not a criticism. It's just a I've, what if moment. I've never heard anyone make more excuses for the a guy that Jerry has done with Nate Stanley. It's, I am so excited for him not to be on Iowa anymore this year, just so I don't have to hear this bullshit anymore. You know what's gonna happen, Champ? He's gonna get drafted by the Bears. Oh, he's, he's gonna be not. he's gonna be in a competition for the starting quarterback. You're gonna have Jerry and me making making quote unquote excuses for him all training camp and all preseason long, and then he's gonna beat out Nick Foles for the starting job, and we're gonna have Nate Stanley in your life for another five years. I just threw up in my mouth. I am absolutely praying that Nate Stanley does not get drafted by the Chicago Bears. I hope you know what team I hope drafts him? The Green Bay Packers. That would be perfect. Go to Green Bay, suck for them. I can hate you anyway because you're now on the Packers. Please, if anyone wants to draft Nate, let it be the Packers or the Vikings or the Lions, one of those three teams. I feel like Jerry's got something in his mind, but he won't say it. No, we're good. He's angry. I, he's, that's fine. Yeah, it's just, because I mean, you know, you've, you've taken the hate too far. You have taken the hate very far because you know what else I can see happening? Is Bill Belichick taking him and coming in and playing in the Patriots system and succeeding, just coming in late like another quarterback who just left that team who was a sixth-round draft pick, and coming in and having all the success in the world because he's in a system that understands how to play to his strengths. Do you know what my ceiling is for for um, Nate Stanley in terms of NFL quarterbacks? Better than Ryan Mallett, so he's got a spot? Chase Daniel. That's my absolute ceiling of Nate Stanley. He will never be anything more 
than a career backup. Listen, Chase Daniels done pretty well for himself. He's made a lot of money in the NFL. If Nate Stanley can somehow con teams into paying him that amount of money, like Chase now he's conning people. I'm saying I'm saying Chase Daniel has conned people into giving him that kind of money. If Nate can produce like that and be a career NFL backup and make that kind of money, more power to him. All right, we'll we'll end the Nate talk on this over under his draft selection. I'm going to set it at 215, which is the last pick of the sixth round. Of note, the Patriots have two compensatory picks right before that, 213 and 214. JR, what are you taking the over? The under. <laughs> Champ? Uh, pound the over. I'm saying undrafted free agent for Nate Stanley. All right, I'm taking the under. I think he's going to end up somewhere in the sixth round. Okay, I think people here. are going to be to believe in the arm, the size. Want to do a slap bet, champ? Nate gets drafted. I get to slap you right in the face, and everybody gets to see it. No, I, I seventh round to me is pretty much the same as an undrafted free agent. I'll I'll give you a six round or less, and you get the comp picks too. You just said under to DC's question, and that was literally six round or less. So I'll give you that. All right, deal. All right, beautiful. Beautiful. All right, guys, there are the Iowa draft hopefuls. There are a few other guys who likely be more more likely than not undrafted free agents as they sign with teams. We'll probably discuss it because we have nothing else to talk about right now because there aren't any other sports. But let's go bigger picture in the conference, Big Ten-wise. Champ had the idea. That was a great one. Each picking out a couple of guys that we remember from Big Ten play who stuck out with us. What you, where you see them going, what you see, what you like about them, what, whatever you guys want to talk about them, Champ, I'll let you kick things off here. But give me one of your guys that you want to talk about of the three you picked. Uh, I will start with J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I, I think he's going to be an electric running back, and I think the perfect situation for J.K. Dobbins in the NFL is the Kansas City Chiefs. With that last pick of the first round, 32nd overall, can you imagine an offense with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and J.K. Dobbins. I mean, that offense is already unstoppable, as we could see. They won the Super Bowl. But if you add a dynamic running back like J.K. Dobbins to that mix, it's gonna. Andy Reid is going to have a lot of fun drawing up plays, drawing up runs. He's good in the pass game, too, for J.K. Dobbins. I think that would be an absolutely awesome fit for J.K. going to Kansas City. I mean, Jared, he was the guy that you would give more credit to than Justin Fields all year last year, so you have to like that pick. I love that, that pick. J.K. Dobbins is one of my favorite players, and honestly, but when Champ did this thing, I missed that he picked him, and that was the first guy I wanted to talk about. Um, Champ, you kind of got me all flustered now with this Chiefs thing. I, I just – it's scary good. Yeah, that, I, fuck, I had that the fucking Saints offense in, is so good. Imagine adding him. Woo. I had the Saints in my mind for some reason because I know they're in the back half there for a similar reason, like pairing him up with uh, uh, Kamara. Who that would be scary good too. God. And, just, and just knowing what Sean would be able to tinker with, having those types of dual threats in the backfield or moving J.K. around or Kamara around, um, 100%. Th- this guy is a special talent. And if it wasn't for Jonathan Taylor being in the conference, he would have been the best running back that everybody talked about for the Big Ten. You know who probably would still not be able to get much out of J.K. Dobbins is Ryan Pace. But that's a different conversation for a different day. (laughs) Jerry, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. He was on your list of Big Ten guys. Where do you see him fitting the best in the NFL? So, I mean, listen, Jonathan Taylor has some things to work on, particularly being the fact that he fumbles a lot. 
I was talking to DC a little bit pre-show before Champ jumped on. 18 fumbles in his career at Wisconsin. Six of them, a third, came during his senior season. That is way too many. If he expects to be a solid NFL running back, he needs to stop that shit right now. The positive for him is that when he sees a hole, he goes and hits it. A weakness could be, though, that he's got to run behind Wisconsin offensive lines his entire career, and teams that might be looking to add him might not have that type of physical offensive line play where he's going to have to be a guy that creates holes instead of seeing a hole and hitting the hole. So I don't know what Jonathan Taylor really is in that type of scheme, but the perfect place that I see him going is Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones is not the guy. And now that they have Tom Brady, they're trying to solidify that offensive line. They got Gronk there. What better than adding a thousand yard rusher, a guy that has been breaking all types of records and he's, he can catch a screen pass. Now all of a sudden Tommy, Tommy gloves, just bam, hits him. I just like him in Tampa. I like that a lot. They got a like a mid early to mid second round pick. That way he would fit in. I think there's going to be a run, a run of running backs. I know that doesn't sound great, but there's going to be a run of running backs from about the 25th, 26th pick to about 45. That's what I've heard. There's going to be about five or six running backs that go in that 20 pick range. So yeah, that would. I mean, he would be great with Tampa Bay. I, he could be like a Corey Dillon type running back that what Tom Brady had uh, back in those early New England days. He was damn good for him. Jonathan Taylor could be that would be that's a nice little pick. I like that, Jerome. I was thinking 45, that 45th pick. That's right yeah, there. Right Tampa in Bay. that range. Yeah. That is perfect. All right. I'm gonna keep it with Wisconsin. The guy I'm gonna talk about is Quinton Cephas. Uh or Quintez Cephas. And to me, he intrigues me because we I think there's just a lot we didn't see from him. I think he has a lot of potential. I really want to see him go to a place where he can have that potential maximized, but not have all the, not have all the spotlight. And so the place I picked for him is the Atlanta Falcons. I think he doesn't have to be the wide receiver number one. He can come in there, earn his earn some snaps, earn some catches, and really flash eventually as time goes on. That would be a nice that'd be a nice little trio with him, Julio, and uh, Mr. Ridley out there. That'd be a, that's a nice little spot for him. And yeah, that's I kind of figure that that second round spot, second third round, kind of feels like a good spot for him to go. Atlanta's looking for a rece- another receiver to add to the to that trio to that duo. It seems like a good spot for him. Yeah. All right, champ. Who are you going with next? Uh, my next guy is Yator Gross Matos from Penn State. Uh, I think the perfect fit for him is going to be the 28th pick to the Baltimore Ravens. I just see him as a guy. They've had great defensive ends in Baltimore in the last 10 to 15 years. We know T. Sizzle, first ballot Hall of Famer. He was there forever. People forget about guys like Elvis Doomerville, who had that speed rush at the other end of T. Sizzle for about four or five years with Baltimore. And that's what I see Yator Gross Matos as. A speed rush. They need a DN. They need to get uh, some more quarterback pressure in Baltimore. Uh, and I think he would be the perfect addition to that Baltimore defense. I like it. I don't I like that a Adding lot. any sort of defensive specialist like that to Baltimore, like I'm all for. It's just it's football porn. Yeah, I mean, they know how to use them. They I mean, they've had great defenses over the years. It seems like for the last 20 years, when you think of Baltimore, you think of great defense. Now I know they have Lamar Jackson and their offense is pretty exciting, but 
I mean, literally, throughout our entire football lives watching, the Ravens defense has been damn good. Yeah, I mean, I, another guy that I, I'm going to go next here because the, the guy who really sticks out for me is a similar, like, from a fit perspective, it's Zach Bond, and I think he fits really, really well with the New England Patriots. He's the undersized linebacker who comes in there, who all he did, did was be productive in college. He was more productive than, we talked about him earlier, than Leonard Floyd was in college. He's going to be a much better value pick for the Patriots than, the, than the, what the Bears got for Leonard Floyd. And he's just going to come in and he's going to be a mainstay for the Patriots his entire career. He'll come in. He'll he'll just continue to contribute. He'll be doing different things because he did different things at Wisconsin. He was moved from defensive line to the, to a linebacker and he started rushing the passer. It was a great pass rusher. You can bump him in the inside linebacker spot. It just has Bill Belichick written all over it because no one likes undersized players more than Bill Belichick. And just that pick makes so much sense in the world for me. He is – you know who Zach Vaughn is? Rob Ninkovich. He is literally Rob Ninkovich. I mean, yeah. he played for or the Kyle Patriots. Or Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van – exactly. Guys that can play linebacker, can rush the quarterback. I mean, that's a great call. That would be – they have a late first-round pick. He would fit in nicely right there with the Pats. Absolutely. All right, Jerry, who, who are you going with next? I'm going with my boy KJ Hamler. Ooh. So KJ, uh, one, of, one of my favorite players in this draft. This guy is essentially with the talent that he has, he's going to fit in on any team with a quarterback, particularly a quarterback that's going to be able to throw it up in the air. This guy is a speed demon. He can alternate his routes. He's just going to continuously, if your cornerback is not pressing him, he's going to burn him. It's just a, not a matter of how, but when. And it's the, the, watching him in any sort of avenue on the football field is spectacular. So for me, it was really trying to find the best possible place I can put him. Now, originally, I wanted to be selfish and put him on the Bears. But, then but, you, then said he, like, but you said he's going to thrive wherever they have a quarterback. And the Bears correct. Are so I moved on. And then I started thinking about the Ravens. But then I was like, you know what? I always put every good player I like on the Ravens because they're like my second team right now. And, and Champ just rubbed off on me all these years of us having to watch Ravens football after we watch the Bears. So you know what? I'm going to pass on that too. That's too simple. So now I have two teams that I'm debating, and I want to put it up to you guys, who you would like to see KJ Hamler on. All right? You guys ready? Yeah. Ready. The first being the Philadelphia Eagles, who desperately need speed, and nobody more than Wentz. Think about the first game of the season when Deshaun Jackson was was it was healthy and fast. Bang! Wentz was hitting him left and right, down the field, over and over and over again. So that was my first team, just knowing what, what Dougie Peterson could be able to do with a guy of his talent. The other team is the Seattle Seahawks, and watching that perfect Russ Wilson just – that, that high pop-up ball floating right into Hamler's hands in the end zone as he speeds his way down there. I don't know what team I want, but I want either of them. Give me the Seattle Seahawks because Russell Wilson's deep ball is one of the most beautiful things in all of sports. Give, give me K.J. Hamler, speed demon, opposite of Metcalf, who's a big physical beast of a wide receiver. That would be fun. And KJ Tyler Hamler. Lockett. And Tyler Lockett. I mean, who, who are you going to guard? you got to guard them all one-on-one. And Tyler Lockett and K.J. Hamler can just straight run past defenses. That would be fun. K.J. Hamler or Tyler Lockett can play the slot, too. Woo! Put them on the Seahawks. That would be a hell of a lot of fun. I'll put him on the Eagles in this exercise, but I will say the one team I do not want him to end up on, because when you said a team that 
you may you maybe have two thoughts when you said he's going to thrive at the team that has a quarterback. So I immediately said, well, I'm sad because that means he won't go to the Bears. <laughs> and then I got really even more sad because I thought, what if he fucking ends up with Aaron Rodgers? Okay, don't let's not bring those negative thoughts <laughs> into our mind. Hopefully he's long gone before the <laughs> Packers pick in the second round. That and I think ideal. he's going to be the Packers in the second round, picking 62. There's going to be a big run on wide receivers. He's not, my, he's not less than the 62. Yeah. No from chance. 45, I mean, I'm looking at a mock draft right now that has him in the third round. Oh, that's just dumb. That mock draft is wrong. Who did that <laughs> mock draft? Let's berate them on this show. It is on Tankathon. Yeah, nice job, Tankathon. Oh. You, you tanked on that fucking mock draft if you think KJ Hamler's going to the third round. Although going to Dallas would be kind of fun. No, I have a Cowboy fan friend. He never shuts up. We don't need him <laughs> going to Dallas. <laughs> All right, uh, Champ, who's your last person you got from the Big Ten? Uh, the last guy I had is one of, another one of my favorites in this draft, and it's Bryson Hopkins, the tight end from Purdue. Uh, I think a perfect, perfect fit for Bryson Hopkins is the New England Patriots. They have three third-round picks this year in the draft. I think that's where Hopkins is going to fall, somewhere in that third round. Uh, And I think he would be a prototypical tight end in that offense with Josh McDaniels. They love featuring uber-athletic tight ends. Just look at their past history with guys like Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, RIP. And uh, you got to have – You really? No. I mean, yeah, he's a murderer. He is. That's that's a good point. That's, that's you true. won't give up. You won't forgive Kobe for his transition. I'm not you said R.I.P. to Aaron Brown. <laughs> Bryson Hopkins with the Patriots. He would thrive in that off offense, and I love the fit there. I I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Uh, Jer, any thoughts on Champ's spot? And then who do who do you want to go to next? I mean, it's real simple to do exactly what he just did. I mean, what, what player wouldn't thrive in that system? I mean, I didn't. It's not like I put all three of my players with New England. I put up my, the tight end. They need a tight end. They haven't had one since Gronk, and now he fits in beautifully. Who's throwing to that tight end? Put him on somewhere fun. New uh, England is fun. I mean, they're I mean, not fun anymore. Not without Brady, but I mean, maybe Why what if they what, what if what if they use their late first round pick on Jordan Love, and Jordan Love is throwing to Bryson Hopkins? What if they use it on Nate Stanley? Nate Stanley's throwing to him. What, on the scout team? Because he's not going to be playing. <laughs> All right, Jerry, who, who are you Who's your, who are you wrapping things up with here? So I, I kept in the Penn State family here. I've had an obsession with Cam Brown for a very long time. This guy's going to go very late in the draft. So just forgive me in and out of itself. But this guy is probably an undersized Will linebacker. But he's got speed. He's got great feet. He hits like a hammer. And the perfect place that like fits this system when I like when I think of a small linebacker, but a speedy linebacker, I think the Atlanta Falcons. And putting him on that team with just being able to be a rangy will linebacker in their four three system, they have. The, I, I just going back to the Super Bowl year to now. I think it just fits. It's kind of like the Seahawks, where they you can kind of have him as like a safety almost if he can kind of get better in coverage. And he's just all over the field. I want Cam Brown on the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, I, I can't say I watch enough Falcons games to know their defense and what he's going to do to it, but sure, I like the pick. There you go. Beautiful. We'll bring things, we'll go full circle, and we'll use it to transition into our Bears talk. I'm going to wrap things up here with Antoine Winfield from Minnesota. I think his, he's a perfect fit in the second round for the Chicago Bears. 
for the many reasons that Champ and I and Jer all love Geno Stone and the Bears, it's a second-round pick using it in a safety spot. Antoine Winfield can play both sides, both versions of the safety spot. He can play against the run and let Eddie Jackson be a free safety. And I just think that that's where the Bears should focus their efforts to kick things off and their first pick on Friday night in the second round of the NFL draft. Any thoughts on Antoine Winfield being the next member of the defensive backfield for the Chicago Bears, guys? I have some I have some notes at 43 for the beloved. I have two names written down. One of them is Antoine Winfield. So, I mean, we're on the same page here, D.C. The other one is Grant Delpit from uh, LSU. I think another uh, strong safety that you could put in there. I, I think we, we all know uh, with the loss of uh, HaHa Clinton Dix, I don't know how much of a loss it was, but he has moved on, and I, I think they have a big, big hole at the strong safety position. And I think either of those guys would fit it beautifully. I like where your head's at at 43. Antoine Winfield obviously has the pedigree. His father played in the NFL for numerous years. I think he would be perfect. It would be I would love that pick for the beloved at 43. Jer, where where are you going into? We'll just transition into this for the Bears. Where what's your mindset going into this draft Thursday night? The Bears have zero picks Thursday. They're going to their first picks will come on Friday. What are your thoughts of the Bears' needs with very little draft capital going into this weekend? Uh, to me, there's two picks in the second round. One of them needs to be used on either an offensive lineman or a cornerback, and then you need to use the other one to find yourself extra capital. That is that is what I would look to be doing. I don't. I feel like that's what Pace will probably be looking to do, knowing what he normally tries to do in these draft situations. He usually tries to move up. I <laughs> know he tries to make deals, I guess is what I was trying to assume. But hey, if he wants to move up, sure. Go ahead and move up and get KJ Hamler and just at least give me something to dream about one day. <laughs> nah, you're not going to have to move up to get KJ Hamler. That's who I have slotted at the 50 mark, baby. Either KJ Hamler or Michael Pittman Jr. Those are the two names I wrote down. I think a big need for this uh, for this team, and I obviously you heard me say offense, is speed at the wide receiver position. I know everybody wants to talk about offensive lineman and the secondary, but this team desperately needs some speed at wide receiver. KJ Hamler, like we've already discussed, is perfect for that. Another guy is, uh, I'm going to fuck up pronouncing his name and I apologize. It's LaVisca from Colorado. I think he is an absolute speed demon and he's physical. He provides both of those things for you. I would love either any of those guys. What about T Higgins? T. Higgins I also have written down as well. I mean, I want one of those guys with speed in the second round that can get, give me Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. I don't think he's going to last that long, what, but another guy who I would love. What if they went Grant uh, Grant Delpit and then T. Higgins? Uh, that's beautiful. I would love that. I think that would be – I agree that trading back, maybe if you – say you trade back your 50th pick to either like a, a later pick in the second round, then you get yourself a third-round pick – or you trade the 50th pick for like two early third round picks. I would be fine with that. Get yourself an extra pick because I think this draft is very deep in the first three rounds. You're going to get talent in the round three that normally would go in round two in most drafts. So if they if they do that and they trade back, I would not be upset with that at all. But a lot of these names we're, we're mentioning, wide out speed, that's a key for the Bears. I want them that addressed in this draft. 
You know what I want Pace to do? I want Pace to draft people from programs that win. I'm tired of <laughs> all this bullshit. You don't, like, you don't like Ashland College and North Carolina A&T? You're not fans of those schools? No, I'm just just get guys that I've watched the entire year that have fucking won at the highest level. So go get Delpit, go get Wiggins, and let's, or, or, uh, Higgins, and let's be done with it. Yeah, I mean, those are two teams that were in the national championship, so <laughs> that would be lovely. Or, you know, even a guy, an Antoine Winfield, they had great success at Minnesota this year. You know now. who I don't want? The safety from the Salukis. Give you me a break. You don't want, uh, what's his name, Chin? Jeremy no, Chin. I, I just don't understand why this is getting this is getting so hyped. Who's I mean, watched I, this guy to even hype in this? I haven't, but you, can I just... I'm going to be the be the damper here because it's what I do with the Bears right now because I'm just so dismayed with Ryan Pace. But the only answer right now, Champ, I know you say they need speed, but this offense needs to protect their, whoever's going to be the quarterback better, and they need to be able to block and make up make running lanes for David Montgomery, who they wasted more draft capital to trade up to go get, and they didn't use him effectively last year. The problem with this draft, though, it's very, very top-heavy in offensive tackles, like f- top 15. And then there's a pretty significant drop-off. I Another guy who I would love, another Big Ten guy, actually, if he fell the 43, would be Cesar Ruiz. I think he's going to be an absolute beast, whether you put him at center, whether, whether he plays guard. Hell, this guy for the Bears, you put him at center, and you don't worry about all this white hair, Daniels, bullshit. You put those two guys at your two guard positions, and you're set all of a sudden in the middle of your line with Ruiz, Daniels, and uh, white, uh, white hair. White hair. You can also get that Boysenberry guy, again, from LSU, who was in the fucking title game. Yes, exa- I mean, that that's – there is guys. I mean, there's going to be guys – hell, even I don't with a late – want to trade anymore. Even with a late-round pick, why not go get yourself a John Runyon? I mean, Runyon's kid. I know his name's not John. I keep forgetting his <laughs> name. But Runyon's kid. I mean, he played at Michigan for four years, was a starter for three of those four years. I mean, the guy knows how to play. He's going to go – I'm reading sixth or seventh round – Use one of your picks to get him. To me, it just it, they need to get a big, nasty guy on the offensive line who's going to replace Kyle Long's intensity and nastiness and toughness and just set a new mindset for this offensive line because there's just too many nice guys seemingly on this offensive line, and it's, I think, impacting what what Matt Nagy wants to do offensively and what this running game can actually do because no one can make create any holes here. The other thing I'll, I'll throw out, just just because I'm still not satisfied in this quarterback situation, what if they take Jalen Hurts in the second round? I'm I'm kind of so today this just happened for me. I haven't told either of you this, so I'm telling this to you live. With such little draft capital and what they just did to get Nick Foles, you you just it's it's Pace hasn't done it yet. You can't do it now. Yeah, I know he yeah, said he's I'm, always going to take right. one, and he hasn't yet. So like you have. You have a Super Bowl window still, whether it's Mitch or Foles starting. You have to supplement. Okay. We're going to have a bigger conversation right now because do you guys still – I don't think the Super Bowl window is there. The I don't think there's two – there's no there. speed on offense, as you guys have both said now. There's no blocking on the, on the offensive line right now. You don't know who your quarterback's going to be, champ. I know you're going to say Nick Foles, but they're going to give Mitch Trubisky every opportunity to actually lose that job. 17 points a game to get to the Super Bowl Nick, with this defense. Nick. Nick Foles can come in there and get the job done. You get yourself a speed wide out. Nick Foles can win you games. The Bears can win 11 games with what Nick Foles. What happens when Nick Foles inevitably gets hurt? But then because Mitch is going to have to step in for a couple games. The bomb is actually going to have to go in and, there and do a little something. 
He's not going to be given every chance to start. Nick Foles is your starting quarterback. We can debate this the entire fucking offseason. It's going to be Nick Foles. He's going to start. The offensive line is going to need to improve no matter who's back there. Maybe you get yourself an offensive lineman this draft, but you can't draft a quarterback. I don't care even if you trade back into the third round. You need to address three big needs on this team, and one of them is not quarterback right now. You got to go with Nick Foles. I don't think you can waste a draft. If you want to draft one in the sixth round, fifth round, that's fine. But one of these first couple picks cannot be a quarterback. I mean, if you look at what Nick Foles was able to do, which is the reason he's here, they were able to scheme. They were able, and this is assuming Nick Foles is going to win the job, which I do not believe, but I'm going to go with it here just because champ's on my side for once, and this is nice. You're (laughs) You're able to scheme a Nick Foles offense with players like Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller like he did with the Eagles. They did not have speed guys. Jimmy Graham, big possession guy, yep. They did not have speed guys on the Eagles team. It was a scheme thing. This was a Doug Peterson thing. This was a um, our boy um, uh, Alshon. This is a DeFilippo scheme thing. Oh. I do believe that there's talent enough on the offensive side with the right receivers and the tight ends now that you can do this with Nick Foles to score 17 points a game, which is all it would take for this defense to get you that far. All right, I'm going to play along with your game for a second and say Nick Foles eventually is is your starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. This offensive line, I'm going to go pound on the pound on this table again for offensive line help. Nick Foles is injury prone. I don't care how many times you don't want to believe it, he's injury prone. You need a offensive line. The reason they were able to scheme for him in Philadelphia was because they had an effective offensive line to keep him upright. The they Bears all- do not have that. Another way they scheme for him in Philadelphia is they got the ball out of his hands quickly. Nick Foles is very good at getting the ball out quick, something Mitch Trubisky is not good at. Mitch Trubisky will hold on to the ball and try to run and create running lanes. Nick Foles isn't running past anybody. He's getting the ball out of his hands, quick, short, effective passes. Say, give me Cesar Ruiz, K.J. Hamler. And they had, and they had there, there's – one guy, KJ Hamler, a rookie wide receiver, is not going to be the difference in his speed set to make this offense better on short inter- in intermediate throws. Okay, DC, devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. Juan Castillo was brought in to bring this offensive line some solidarity. Obviously, there was issues last year. There's really only one position that they have to find a fill-in for, and that's the right guard position. There is a whole left side of the t- of the line that I think is a average oh, to above average at, at a minimum. This isn't an end-all, be-all terrible disaster. Like Cody Whitehair, I still think we believe in James, and you still have, um, Charles, you have Leno. Charles Leno on the left. I mean, you can say everything you want about bringing a new coach in to install a new system, a new mentality, whatever. That's what they did. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, it's still the same guys who weren't effective at opening up running lanes. They weren't effective, or did Aggie called really shitty ones at stupid times? It could be both. Exactly. He, this is he, to me. This season is a scheme thing. This guess, is Nagy okay, needs to show what? that he's not this fucking. Guess he's still calling the place. Right. That's yeah. That's fine. But he's actually going to have a quarterback that fits his scheme this year and not dipshit Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> we'll it's it's Nick Foles, boys. 
We're going to talk about I, this a lot I, more I, before the season starts. I, it's going to be I, a great Sam, addition to this Sam, team. You have to get this through your head. Neither of us disagree with you, but everything that this organization is saying is that they are going to give Mitch every opportunity to fail and prove to them that he is not the guy. This there, is why, hang on, this is why they went after Nick Foles and not did a more concerted effort for a Cam Newton, for a Teddy Two Gloves, or for even Tom Brady, because I didn't want to have to pull the plug on Mitch Trubisky. You can't deny that. They want, first of all, they want after Teddy Bridgewater. Cam Newton is, is playing on one leg. Tom, Tom Brady was never coming here. So those three examples are, we don't need to discuss that. The only ex, the only thing you need to know about the Bears' opinions on Mitch Trubisky is they haven't and they won't be picking up his fifth-year option. That's all you need to know. Mitch Trubisky, they don't believe in him anymore. If they, if they did, they would have already picked up this option. They're not going to, and it's Nick Foles' job to lose, and we're all going to see that. Not disagreeing with it, but everything they're saying is Mitch still getting the first snaps. He's still getting every first opportunity. That's fine. Let him get the first snap. He can have the first 20 fucking snaps. As long as Nick Foles is starting week one, that's all that matters. I'm just letting you know it's but you're gonna get very bent out of shape week shape week one when Mitch is starting quarterback. He's not gonna be starting. There's no I'm not even gonna need to get upset because it's big Nick Nick. Big dick Nick's time. All right. Well I think we can end on that one. Yep, that's it. Cut it. That's it. The draft is going to be beautiful. I'm very excited. We're getting a hint of sports this weekend, guys. So so make sure you guys a double uh, dose of sports. We also get another another last dance, another two episodes on that Sunday night after the draft is over. So, yes, we have a full sports-packed weekend. And we're going to see all the technical difficulties that the NFL is going to have with this draft. Yeah, and then another uh, reaction pod after this uh, another uh, episode, the Dennis Rodman episode, one of the two this week. That's going to be fun to talk about. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be a good one. All right, guys, for Champ, for Jer, I'm DC. We'll talk to you guys again after – Sunday night's last dance episodes, and we'll be back again Thursday as well, breaking down something. Who knows? Uh, but we'll talk to you guys then. Go Hawks. You know, Stone of the Beloved. Nate Stanley's a good quarterback. Trick or treat, Iowa City. <laughs> if you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.